You are listening to the Step Up to Life podcast, where we discuss God and the biblical gospel in America and around the globe. If you're interested in finding out more about the global ministry of Step Up to Life, you can find us online at stepuptolife.com. All right, well, we are here with Lincoln Murdoch, the executive director of Step Up to Life, as well as Kurt Isaacson and Justin Kofod, who are uh, fellow ministers in uh, various ways, and especially in audio and visual, and they're uh, joining us today to monitor the podcast and keep us on track here since this is all new and fresh for us. So uh, welcome. Glad you're here with us. My name is Nick Bank. I'm the assistant director of Step Up to Life, and this is a brand new ministry we're diving into. So guys, thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, appreciate Thank you, you taking time. And uh, Lincoln, okay, so here we go. We want to uh, basically help people understand what is Step Up to Life. Why do we do what we do? Uh, so basically, uh, your dad founded this ministry. Right. So why don't you take us back in time a little bit and tell us a little bit about his story, how God worked in his experience, his ministry, to help him recognize uh, there was kind of a missing piece in terms of how to share the gospel more effectively, uh, and then what gave birth to what has today become Step Up to Life. Take yeah. us back. Yeah. Well, thank you, and and welcome, everybody. It's great to have you guys. Thanks so much. Of course, I know all about this, and they were just tweaking all the work that I've done on this, <laughs> right? Yeah, so I just see a bunch of colored lights, and I'm excited that you guys are here. So thank you for your good work on that. Yeah, so going way back, um, yeah, probably 60—no, 70-something years, it, very early on in Dad's ministry, he uh, would tell you that he did the best he knew, but what he knew wasn't best. Mm. Uh, because in his very first church, in the first year or two, he had 50 people raise their hand to make a decision for Jesus. Now, that sounds great, right? But he was scratching his head because none of them were interested in Bible study, prayer meeting, serving in the church. And he's like, what's the matter with these people? They raised their hand, <laughs> you know, they, they prayed the prayer, but there was no fruit. There was no evidence. And so he was confused. He was confused. He he said that he had kind of come out of this uh, Youth for Christ movement. And he called, he said, I was a hot shot preacher for Youth for Christ. That's how he <laughs> described himself. And of course, full of pride and stuff like uh, we all start off that way, right? So thankful for God's work of sanctifying us over many years. But anyway, so that was dad's start. So um, he was trying to figure that out. Right away, uh, God crossed his path with a man that would change his whole life in ministry. And this man became his mentor for many, many years. His name was Paris Reedhead. Mm. And he began to show dad a better message and a better method. Mm. So uh, the message, of course, has to be what Jesus said. When we do our seminar, and it's being done all around the world, which is very exciting, uh, we ask this question to pastors and Christian leaders. Are you saying, are we saying what Jesus said? When Jesus recruited people to be his disciple, to follow him, if you will follow me, if you'll come after me, then what did Jesus say? And the question is, are we saying those things today, or are we giving sometimes a different message than what Jesus did? Mm. So Step Up Life dives into that. Uh, what methodology did Jesus use, for example, with the rich young ruler? What principles come out of the story of the prodigal son? These are some of the things that we examine to try to find out what did Jesus say and what methodology did he use when he called people to follow him? So uh, that was a real turning point in dad's ministry. And then from that, he the Lord gave him these, these five steps as he worked with people and as he was just noticing 
what is the progress? What is the typical journey? What does it look like for people come, to come from being totally unconcerned about God to actual good, healthy birth, spiritual birth, right? Because Jesus told Nicodemus, you have to be born again. So what does that process look like? And he just, here's these five steps that emerged in the early 70s. Those steps turned into a booklet. And as they say, the rest is history. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of what we're focusing on today. So maybe that's a quick flyby for those of you who are totally unfamiliar with this. Uh, That's a very, very quick version. You can find out more at stepuptolife.com or Pastor Murdoch's website, which is attached to that website if you want to learn more. But let's shift into, so he he wrote this sermon in 1953. Uh, I didn't mention that. Yes. No, 1957. 1957. He wrote this sermon. It was called Steps Steps to Salvation. Okay. Steps that lead to salvation is what it was. And little did he know that when he wrote that and sketched out the five steps, that it would turn later into a booklet and that that booklet would literally sweep the world. Uh, We have over 80 different languages and versions. We're working on about eight new uh, languages and versions right now. Um, And that some 15 million just in the last 20 years have gone out around the world. Mm. We don't know about the, the previous 40 years. So we're trying to be conservative with our estimations and not evangelistic. That was one of dad's favorite words. Yeah. So uh, we're guessing 15 to 20 million. uh, And who would have guessed? Yeah, that's from one sermon. How old was he at that time, do you think? Well, let's see. I was born in 57. I tell dad that was a great year. Step of Life was born and so was I. Uh, So that would have been 66 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And he was pastoring a church in the East Coast. Yes. Started in uh, started in Massachusetts with a couple okay. different locations there. One in Fox, the second one in Foxborough, then to Toledo, Ohio for four years, then to Chicago. No, Toledo was two. Then Chicago, where he followed A. W. Tozer, if that name means anything to you. At thirty three, how old are you? Forty-three. So imagine ten years earlier, you follow A. W. Tozer. Yeah, no big deal. That's yeah. Oh well, my yeah. goodness! I said, Dad, what were you thinking? He said, I don't know. I was trying to obey God. Oh, well, that's good. That'll get you into trouble. Ooh, obeying God. He did the best yeah. he knew. He did the best he, he, the knew. Best he knew. That's right. Yeah. But um, at this point, when mm-hmm. he had come to these successive churches, then he brought this different approach of sharing the gospel um, with the idea that. Not that no one came to Christ not sharing the gospel that way, but that there was much higher retention results from sharing it with greater clarity up front than was often taking place otherwise. Yes. And so thank you. Thank you for that. So one of the things, probably the main thing that we're about, we try to do a lot of different things. One of the main things is this. We want to see temporary decisions, which is what he experienced in his first church. And frankly, what is experienced all over the world, wherever we go, Latin America, Africa, it doesn't matter. We hear pastors tell us it's not that hard to get people to raise their hand and pray a prayer. Hmm. Hmm. But a high percentage of those are temporary decisions. So we want to see temporary decisions replaced with lasting conversions. Hmm. And so there's a huge difference between a temporary decision and a, a lasting conversion that's based in conviction of sin, repentance and turning from sin, and surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, um, as the booklet emerged, and there were different rendition, rendif- 
renditions of it. Uh, that was a primary tool that he used in all of his churches for evangelism, but also for discipleship. He would have a new believer Sunday school class. And the first thing, guess what, you went through as a new believer was understanding the five steps. Because a lot of these people, though their hearts are committed to Christ, they don't really understand the spiritual journey that they came through. Mm-hmm. When they see the steps and they go through a teaching and a training on it, they're like, oh yeah, I can remember when I went from unconcerned to concerned. I sure. remember when I was under conviction. Yeah. So yeah. 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 So, And that's kind of my experience when I first saw it. Of course, I've been in ministry for 20 some years, pastoring for 20 some years and familiar with various ways of sharing the gospel. Right. And people come sure. to the Lord through all those various ways. They we, do. We recognize that. But one thing as a pastor that I really appreciated was what you just highlighted in the sense of the clarity that it provides uh, either someone who really has come to faith already, but Mm -hmm. just didn't understand their journey looking Mm -hmm. back and how it all took place. Right. And now they go, oh, yeah, I did go through this process. Well, and if my memory serves me correctly, Justin, Mm -hmm. um, we have a living example right here where the steps brought a little clarity to you. Is Mm -hmm. that? Yep, indeed. Yeah, that's exactly how I came to know the Lord. So thanks to you coaching me along the way and just kind of bridging some passions of sports and triathlons and stuff. Kind of shared that at my young age and stuff. So uh, I was confused, um, surrounded by a lot of great people, the church that I went to and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I got a little hung up on the uh, repentance, saving faith steps, kind of the last two. I just kind of, I had some perceptions of what I thought even my life of the Lord should appear, I guess, outwardly to the church or wherever I was. Mm. Um, but all of them were great. I think I, I worked my way up through them and Lincoln did a great job of coaching me through that and asking great questions and being patient with me. And it was not a rush. I think that is key is it was not rushed. That's good. I didn't feel mm. like I was being coerced into something I shouldn't be doing. Um, I wanted to really deeply understand it and, yeah, I'm 33, so I don't know. I need to find my tozer uh, to follow now. But um, yeah, I was about 21, so or yeah, 20, 21 years old. So about 12 years of following the Lord. So well, you, and you brought up a great point here, which is giving people time. Right? Mm-hmm. If Jesus said you have to be born again, he was reaching into the physical uh, phenomenon of, of physical birth, and he mm-hmm. brought that into the spiritual dimension, and he says that. What happened there? That needs to happen spiritually. So what do we know about the physical? We know it takes nine months. It's a process mm-hmm. and you can't rush it. You don't want a baby born at three months. You can't rush the process. Yeah. And likewise with people in their spiritual journey, you want to help them identify where they are and then give them the time they need. Uh, now, often things are rushed and it's a little, you know, check the box and pray a little prayer and it's rushed. And that's why we end up with so many uh, temporary decisions. So takes nine months to be born physically. There's a process also to come to spiritual birth. And part of that process is counting the cost. Luke 14, Jesus said, you've got to count the cost. And sometimes you need a season to be able to count the cost. You don't just do that in 30 seconds. Hmm. You got to think through, if I do this, what's this going to mean in my life? Yeah. So you didn't feel like a project? No. <laughs> Good. No, no. no. Much great companionship and genuine desire to you know, uh, see my heart change, I guess. So uh, I did. And you're looking at, you're looking at a lasting conversion. 
Mm. Uh, Justin is one of the most helpful, servant-minded, willing to do anything people. So what's that? That's fruit of a new of the new birth. And so here you are 12 years later, pressing on, active in the kingdom. And so nothing gives like me greater joy than to see that kind of result. Mm. And it's all yeah. it's all the grace of God. It's all to the glory of God, right? Right. So, right. Yeah. And just to speak briefly on that is, is generation. I had generational mindset with that stuff. So I didn't, like I said, I didn't give my life to the Lord till I was early 20s. <clears throat> I didn't, my family didn't grow up knowing the Lord. So I had no parents to instill that in me. So my goal is to do that for my children and I'm doing that. So I currently have four kids with a fifth one on the way. And uh, so the impact is eternal, I think. And I hope it goes beyond for multiple generations. So very grateful. So Yeah, I mean, as a pastor, that's how I've used the tool most is not only for personal conviction and clarity, like, yeah, I'm saved and this is why, and this is why I can rest and have comfort in that, right? I can stop my striving. Can cease from my efforts, and, and here's why: I can articulate it, mm-hmm. um, and then to give that to my kids too, you know, to mm-hmm. walk me through that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so not so, only the clarity yeah. of the gospel, but the peace and the comfort and the assurance that it can bring yeah. as you walk through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and and you guys have mentioned a couple things that not everyone may be familiar with in terms of the steps. It's called step up to life. Uh, there's five specific steps, so I feel like. Some listeners are going to go, okay, well, what are the five steps? Is that really biblical? Um, so let me segue into that. Yeah. Let's highlight that real quick because I think it does two key things that are really helpful in my opinion, which is why when I was pastoring the most recent church the last six and a half years, I used it uh, and recommended it as our primary evangelism and outreach tool because it created what you guys have just described. It created clarity. It created a perception of uh, patience over time. There's a built-in assumption that Hey, God's already at work here. We're just joining him in the process of their journey. Everyone's right. in one of five places, which I'm going to have you explain here in a minute. Sure. But I think it, it took it out of the realm for so many people of um, pressuring them to do something and rather inviting them to consider something that afforded them more respect as an individual rather than your project or, or feeling like they were like the on the other end of a sales pitch. Mm. This is a person we're talking mm-hmm. to, not a project, not not a customer, right. but someone God's inviting into his kingdom, a decision that cannot be and should not be made lightly. But yes. what I loved about it was that it created an objectivity about that conversation that wherever they were at in the conversation, once you walk away, they walk away, you feel respected. You feel um, like you have time to make that decision, but also you leave with an objective realization of where you're at on your spiritual journey. You're not just left feeling like, well, I'm kind of open to spiritual things, which honestly, most people are. 95% of the world is not atheists, does not claim to not believe in a higher power, but they are very um, confused about what that could mean or what that could look like. Sub Up to Life tries to address that with specificity. Uh, and does it biblically. So the last thing I would just simply say is that the five steps as someone who's you know studied systematic theology for many years, they're not steps that Elmer Murdoch made up. They're actually just a process you can see over and over in the four gospels, as well as the entire New Testament. In fact, you can even see it in the Old Testament. It's just a natural spiritual process that God takes us through as we come to recognize um, the spiritual truths he's revealed in the scripture that help us go from um, essentially doing our own thing Mm-hmm. to wanting to know God personally. So mm-hmm. with that, let me just segue to you. Yeah. What are the five steps? Yeah. We don't have a ton of time here. No, that's good. Um, but what are they? 
Um, sure. Why are they important? And then I'd love to hear from you guys just in terms of how did you understand those steps when you first encountered them? Um, and, you know, maybe some people get confused by them. You alluded to maybe a little confusion on what does step four mean and why is that hard to understand? Let's let's dive into that. But first, tell us what are these and how do yeah. people Well, so in Mark them? chapter 12, Jesus told a scribe that he was having a discussion with. He He listened to the guy and he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of heaven. So not far, that's distance terminology. So the five steps, are, they're like a roadmap, you know, on a map or well, GPS. I was raised with the old unfold the map 300 times and you can't see out the front window of the car. <laughs> but, uh, so it's like a GPS system where you can see right where you are, the dot, the blue dots flashing or whatever color it is on my, on my phone. And then you can see where you want to get to and the route to get there. Right. It makes it very simple. Yeah. Well, step up life is like that spiritually. So it's, we can uh, help a person discover where they are in these five steps and then ultimately where God wants them to be. So the first step is unconcerned. And we all start there, right? I, Ephesians 2, 1, dead in our trespasses and sins. So for 22 years of my life, though I was a pastor's kid, I was basically on that step. I didn't care. Mm -hmm. I knew all about God. I knew, I mean, I was ready. I was five <laughs> times a week in the church. I had every gold star that you could ever have by your name in Sunday school. I, I was the whole, I mean. You had I, the data. I had the data in my head. My head, was, my brain was thoroughly saved. <laughs> but that counts for nothing. Uh, so unconcerned, that's where we all start. And then there's this awakening that takes place uh, that moves a person to the second step of being concerned. They are aware of their spiritual needs. They're seeking answers. They're trying to find answers to the questions they have about life and, and spirituality. And God can use all kinds of things to bring a person to that point. We won't go into those right now. But so that's, the, we call that awakening from unconcerned to the second step of concern. There's been a spiritual awakening that took place. So then when they're unconcerned, when concern grows, it leads them to the third step of conviction. So what's that? Well, that's where a person know that, knows they've sinned and their sins bother them. Now, everybody in the world knows they've sinned if they're honest, right? Mm. But not everybody's sins bother them. So conviction is this sense of guilt and emptiness, and it's caused by the Holy Spirit to show a person their need uh, for Christ. Um, so conviction of sin. Uh, and then the fourth step, when, when conviction becomes great enough, it leads to the fourth step of repentance. And this is like a spiritual U-turn. It's a 180-degree U-turn where you turn in the U-turn spiritually, and you quit going this direction, living for yourself and for your own glory, and you do a 180 and you start living for God and for his glory. That's repentance. And then just a breath and a prayer away from, from the fourth step is the fifth step mm. of saving faith. And that's where we surrender. It's like, Lord, here's my life. You can have it. Maybe it's a mess, but it's yours. You can do whatever you want with it. So the fourth and fifth, we define them this way. So the fourth step of repentance is where you turn, and the fifth step is where you bow. So our response to the gospel, our response to the free gift of grace offered to us by God is what? Two words, turn and bow. And if you understand those and you're willing to do those, then you land on that top step of saving faith. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's well said. Um, you know, you guys are very familiar with Step Up to Life. Mm -hmm. As you look back on kind of hearing those steps described, how do you remember that in terms of your understanding, kind of getting clarity, getting getting a sense of like, oh, yeah, OK, I can look back at my own life and see that process. Or even maybe just like you had kind of alluded to, Justin, getting stuck on one step for a season 
until God kind of brought you along and helped you understand what that looked like. So either one was to jump in. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I don't know how, uh, how deep to go into some of it, I guess, but um, I look back for sure. Most of my life, like I said, just didn't grow up having any awareness. So unconcerned was just the majority of my childhood, just because I didn't know any better. Mm. No one talked about God or anything. Never went to church. Didn't have friends that did that. Or Mm. if they did, I didn't really, it was never talked about. So, Mm. um, just lacking in my community to be aware of any of that stuff. So get to high school and meet my, uh, my now wife, but was dating, dating my now wife. Uh, sorry, I have, don't know how to frame that, but you get what I'm trying to girlfriend? say. Girlfriend? My girlfriend at the time. Um, and she, her and her family, of course, love the Lord. And had, that's been a part of her life and their life for many, many years before me. So uh, very thankful for their, you know, trajectory hitting, bumping into me or me bumping into them or divine intervention, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I was drawn to uh, appeal to her and her parents by going to church with them and, um, and, and, along that way just got struck by the Lord's love and the the free gift of love and compassion and, and grace and all that displayed, uh, in the church. And so, um, this is a little bit before even I got closer with Lincoln. I think that happened, uh, at a different, probably a year or two later <clears throat> where we got closer. So I had some preconceived perspectives of things through my observations of church and my naiveness and just a lot of confusion, but also definitely in the concern. I, I think stepping into a church and being involved with a family that loved the Lord brought awareness to the lack or the sin in my life that I wasn't aware of before. So um, again, thankful for it. Looking back, it was a little hard at times to be letting go of your selfishness in many <laughs> things. And I'm, I still struggle with that. I, I don't think there's definitely a moment in time where you go through these steps and you get to saving faith, but there's also, I'm sure you guys will dive into this in the future, just a continualness of it all um, to be transformed regularly and repent regularly and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, all that to say, um, went through or got to a point of concern and just really wanted to work through, you know, what does it look like to go through conviction and to really flesh out that stuff in my life and to, do the U-turn like you described, um, and bow. So, uh, yeah, to, I guess to dig a little deeper into that somehow, I don't, I don't really even know how to describe what I, I don't know if, I don't even know if you remember what I was hung up specifically on. I think, unfortunately the church probably, um, played a little bit of part in that in terms of just me observing the way certain things were done in churches. And that's not the church's fault. I just think I observed, certain actions taking place in churches that were very grandiose, I guess, in terms of healings or salvations or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, physically, you know, for example, I'm not trying to beat around a bush, but like people falling over, that's a whole topic in and of itself, whether it's healings or whatever, um, or sobbing and crying and just outwardly expressions of something when it's, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not that complicated, I guess is what it boiled down to for me. It's like I was in the car with a friend, deep, you know, debriefing all this with my friend and he's, he just basically was just like, I don't think you think you're overcomplicating this and you just need to give your life to the Lord. <laughs> basically. He's like, you know, everything you need to know, get, get down to it and just do it. And I was like, you're right. So it was in the car on the way to Iowa with my friend that I 
took took the final step to the last step basically so um anyways i don't know if that really answers it but that was my little bit of a struggle i guess um and it's been it's been good so yeah yeah no that's really good thank you for sharing that kurt do you have anything to add to that in terms of your yeah um the church is always the evangelicals in particular they run away screamed and terrified when when we talk about things like steps to salvation what do you mean steps what must i do to be saved we run from that and yet you find that question that very question asked in scripture Hmm. and every time the answer comes in the form of belief right or repentance which is a change of mind it is a change of of orienting your mind the way you think and that's what i love about step up to life is that it it kind of takes this natural human question what must i do to be saved because it's an honest question it's in scripture inspired by the holy spirit god himself that is a question that he allowed to be in his word because we all ask it but then the answer being time and time again belief it's it's belief it's a right belief about jesus um, and so i love how it takes our natural human question and it answers it biblically without overcomplicating it um the other thing i love is that so the other day i took my kids to a major amusement park and all of the maps were like cartoon drawings and not one of them had a you are here thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I always wondered like when I'd see that on a map, like how do they know where I am? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so kid memories. Who's watching? <laughs> I was trying to get from point A to point B and I missed the mark three times mm. because I had misoriented myself. And mm. I thought, well, this is the, dr- there's mm. no compass, no Northeast, Southwest, there's no compass rose. There's no, you are here. It's just, pictorial representations of this thing that is a crazy amusement park. Mm. And that's what I love about Step Up to Life. It literally allows you to point on the map and say, I'm here. This is where I'm at. Now I can orient. Now I know where I'm at. Depending on where I want to go, I know how to get there. I I know the direction to head. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really helpful. And then the last thing is that it gives you something to do with with the Holy Spirit. Is that a good way to say it? Mm. Uh, because so often we get stuck on this, whether it's before we've come to saving faith or after we've come to saving faith, like you've talked about, and God brings another element into our purview that we're not in agreement with him about, and it scares us and it freaks us out and and we might be wrong about it and, oh my gosh, I have to change my mind. But taking comfort in that and knowing that that's the Holy Spirit's, one of the Holy Spirit's role. Mm-hmm. It's actually God drawing near to me in kindness right through the conviction that comes through this Holy Spirit, whether it's before I've ever come to salvation or after I have, and now I'm dealing with all these things that God is slowly bringing in front of me that don't comport with his way of thinking, right? Because if he just dumped it all on me at once, I mean, <laughs> yeah, thankfully he's I have many more things to... to say to you, but you can't bear them right now. Thank you, Jesus, right? <laughs> Doesn't blow us out of the water immediately. Yeah, so it helps you engage with the Holy Spirit on his terms in a way that helps me at least appreciate what he's actually doing mm. and the reason that God's working that way because it can feel really uncomfortable if you don't have a framework for that. Sure. Because there is there is a sorrow from God. There's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have a framework for that before I encountered mm. Step Up to Life. Mm. And I would, just, I would just toss this in. All of this is the grace of God. You know, right. some people might look yeah. at this, well, it's like, you're, you have to do that and you're doing this and you're, do- and it looks like it works. No, the, the kindness of God awakens us 
right? Takes us from unconcern to concern. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit convicts us. That's God's act, right? right? That's the kindness of God. The kindness of God leads us to repentance. Mm -hmm. So even the inclination to repent is a gift from God. And then, of course, saving faith is just his grace. So I'll just throw that in, too, because that's I yeah. think that's important to know mm -hmm. that this isn't works. This is just us responding to what God is doing. Um, and it's all his work and his grace. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And to just wrap this up, because um, we don't have a whole lot of time. Um, that's what we focus on now, basically. So is we, we try to help people share the gospel with a greater clarity um, about where they are in their spiritual journey. Because so often, as I did not grow up in the church, uh, similar to yourself, there was a lot of confusion. Uh, there's a sense that, there, hey, there's a God out there. He's good. I'm not good enough. There's this vague sense of that. But in terms of the clarity of what that means, what that looks like, it's, it's actually very confusing. And trying to meet somebody who knows the Bible well enough to explain it succinctly clearly, but strangely as it's to say patiently that I might not mm. understand enough right in that conversation, right at that moment to recognize, right? Because I am in process and the Holy Spirit, John 16, 8, it's his job to convict the world of sin and righteousness. It's not my job, right? And I think that's what Step Up to Life does so well is it actually trusts the Holy Spirit to do his job, mm -hmm. which is bring conviction uh, now, he does that through a series of uh, revelation through his word. What is, you know, the law? What is What has God said is right and wrong? We all have it written on our heart. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 2, but it's God's word that go, dials that in. It's like going to the doctor and you don't feel well, but then you get the chest x-ray and you go, oh, <laughs> no, wonder. no wonder I don't <laughs> feel well. I've got broken rib or I've got, you know, lung cancer or whatever it is. And yeah, that's a sad moment. But it's better than not knowing. And that's kind of what Step Up to Life is. It's, it's, like an, it's like going in for your MRI. It's like going in for an x-ray machine. It helps confirm on objective terms what may be subjectively um, in the back of your mind. You may suspect is there. But it brings it out into the open without shame, without pressure, and with enough clarity that if God would lead you to do something after that, you know what to do. You know why. You know where it is in the scripture. You're not overwhelmed with a you know a three-hour Bible lecture. Um, a five-year-old or a fifty-five-year-old or a ninety-five-year-old can understand it in a matter of minutes. It's just where are you on your journey? And so um, again, we'll uh, next episodes and things we'll touch on a lot of this and get into uh, more detail about what all that looks like because that's what we do. Um, but Justin and Curtis, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, uh, thank you for helping us get this all set up. These guys are making this possible <laughs> and, uh, we're just really grateful to, um, be a part of what God's doing through step up to life. So, uh, if you like this, we invite you to tune in, subscribe to the channel. And, uh, if you want to follow us on YouTube or whatever, uh, podcast, um, platform that you prefer, uh, tune in again, we'll have more guests and more uh, stories like this in the future. And if you want to know where you're at in your spiritual journey, go to stepuplife.com. We have materials on there, and we'd be happy to uh, interface with you about it. So thanks, and we'll see you next time. God bless. That's all for this edition of the Step Up to Life podcast. Thank you for spending this time with us, and we hope you were encouraged and inspired to stick to the gospel so the gospel sticks. If you would like to support this podcast or the global ministry of Step Up to Life with a one-time or monthly financial donation, you can easily give online at stepuptolife.com. I'm your host, Nick Bank, and look forward to seeing you next time.